Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. If you're like me, you spend lots of time pouring over maps, looking at weather data, all in an effort to help predict when and where my best times to hunt will be. It'd be nice if there was a reliable source with all this information in one place. Enter the Spartan Forge app. Unlike some other predictive apps on the market, Spartan Forge was created from military combat intelligence experience tailored for hunters and stands at the nexus of machine learning and white-tailed deer hunting. No more man-made algorithms. This is a predictive model based on real GPS collared deer data, historical and predictive weather, and the next level of mapping imagery, all at my fingertips. I've been using the iOS app this season, and it has replaced all my other mapping tools. Visit SpartanForge.ai and sign up today, or head to your iOS or Android app store. Use the promo code TRUTH to save some money and download it today. Mobile hunters, if you're interested in upping your mobile game, then head to tetherednation.com and check out their saddle gear. There are a few things you can actually buy that will help you become a better deer hunter or give you the freedom to hunt any tree or any situation. This is the reason why I started saddle hunting in the first place and why I use Tethered's gear. I can honestly say that Tethered's saddle gear has changed how I hunt for the better. Big tree, little tree, from the ground, it doesn't matter. I'm untethered by my gear to hunt the best setup for the situation, instead of hunting for a tree that my gear can use. My current core setup consists of the Phantom Saddle, Tethered One Sticks, and the Predator Platform, along with an assortment of their accessories. So if you want to up your mobile game, head over to tetherednation.com. Welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast brought to you by Spartan Forge. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 308. Today, we're diving into the best times to pattern scrapes and sneaky good scrape dates. So stay tuned. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you're doing well. Hope you are feeling fine. It is here for those of us that have been waiting for the Super Bowl of whitetail hunting. If you've not filled your tag yet, now is a great time to do so. Um, 
this past weekend, I was actually up in on the North Piece um, and tossed my hat in the ring for that for that big woods section. Just uh, truth be told, locally, I, like I've mentioned previously, I haven't had a whole lot of deer that were interesting me to to chase. And we're going to talk in this podcast about patterning scrapes, and it just seemed like overall my activity in general this year was was down just in in comparison to years past. And so I thought, you know, hell, why not, you know, go up to the North Piece and throw my hat in the ring there, um, try to get a couple hunts in. That way I can still continue to kind of learn, uh, learn that area as much as I can. You know, f- for me locally, I had that one encounter in mid-October, which was a, a great deer and would have been happy to shoot, but he walked out of my life. Um, and other than that, I really didn't have anything that I was really interested in. So um, Rather than, I guess, just kind of hoping against hope and, you know, not knowing what may or may not be um, be walking by, I decided that, you know, I'm going to go to this North Piece and, and put on a couple hunts, which I admittedly know very little about still, you know, just from the past scouting that I've done and stuff like that. And I'm just going to go, I'm going to go hunt it and see what happens. And so I set up in an area that I hadn't even scouted before on Friday morning. Um, it was this kind of little, what I was, when I was looking at the map, you know, it was kind of diving into to, to the map a little bit further before I went up and I saw this spot and I was like, man, I've really never, I've never walked through there. And, um, it seems like it might be a little bit overlooked and, you know, I'm just not sure what it looks like. And it's close to a feature, which is kind of prominent, um, that I really, really like that we have a lot of sign in, in and around and have had, you know, pictures and inventory of, of good deer in that general area. And so I thought they might be using this little spot. And so I slipped in there and truth be told, it was before work Friday morning. Uh, I was in the travel trailer working and, and hunting. And, uh, and so it, it was a, it fit the criteria. It was an area I wanted to check out. Uh, it was close to an area where I knew that we were getting some inventory of decent deer, um, close by. And, uh, it was, I won't say an easy in and easy out because it was all basically straight uphill. Um, but it wasn't a, a long hike in or out, which meant I could easily get in before work and then get back to the the trailer to sign in for work, um, in the morning, but it was a good hunt. It was actually a clean, uh, clean in, clean out and, uh, set up about eight o'clock had a buck come by, uh, out of shooting range and it was behind brush. So I wasn't sure of the caliber. I could just tell that it was, uh, that it was a buck. And, um, and he just kind of hung out for a few minutes, nose to the ground, sniffing around and then was, and then was off. And that was, a, and that was about it. And then that evening I ended up seeing a handful of does hunted a different area. Cause again, I was just wrapping up work. So it was one of those things where what's a spot that I've not been to yet that I could get to in a reasonable amount of time to put on a hunt, uh, with the last couple hours of light. And so that was where I went, uh, for the evening, ended up seeing a handful of does. Um, and then met a cool guy in the parking lot. Um, won't mention his, won't mention his name, but, uh, we got to kind of cut it up for a little bit in the, in the parking lot. We just had to, you know, park next to each other. Super good dude. He's from the area, um, trad bow hunter. So I always kind of see those guys. I'm like, yeah, that's legit. Especially in the big woods, not a lot of funnel features to kind of put you in close range. So, um, that is a, a sage veteran right there, uh, toting around a trad bow in the, um, in the big woods. But so all in all, it was a good, uh, it was a good trip. It kind of kicks off my travel hunting. Cause as of, as you're listening to this, I will be in the truck and the travel trailer heading West to Kansas to start that Kansas hunt here. I think I'll pull into Kansas. I want to say the fifth, I want, I think, and I'll be hunting there for at least the week, maybe a little longer. We'll see how, how things, uh, how things shake out, but I'm not going to belabor this up front. I'm just going to kind of jump into things, have my good buddy, Jake Hofer on. Uh, Jake is, uh, one of the, one of the, uh, owners of Exodus. 
Uh, I had him on last year. We talked about, you know, some scrape stuff. He's one of the guys that uh, he might love scrapes more than me. I won't say might. He does love scrapes more than me. Exodus has an entire scrape week dedicated to the last week of October. However, we're going to talk a little bit about that. I know that it's, you know, it's already passed. We're also going to talk about a a little bit of uh, intel around patterning scrapes that might help you for next year. Uh, So kind of pay attention, uh, pay attention to that. But what we're really kind of talking about is just overall the approach of patterning scrapes. Um, for me, you know, I, I kind of, I harp on this as a working dude. Um, you know, I don't have, you know, I have some flexibility, but I don't have all the time in the world to go out and, and hunt and be in the woods. And, uh, during, during the month of October or September, October or November, really I take some vacation in November. Um, so I have to kind of really, <clears throat> I guess for lack of a better way to say it, know my stuff and find very specific dates or groups of dates to kind of target in areas and then strategically kind of strike. Uh, when I think the iron is going to be the hottest, if you will. And so that's what we talk about a little bit uh, in this podcast is just around, you know, what are the best times to pattern scrapes? Um, And then we also, you'll want to pay attention because we also talk a little bit about sneaky good scrape dates that that he's seen just in terms of like trail camera data and stuff like that. Some of the best dates that he's kind of noticed over the years in general there where the scrape activity kind of ramps up and it falls outside the norm of people kind of focusing on scrapes, you know, the very last week of, of October. So with that, we're going to go ahead and jump into today's show. As always, I want to thank you all for listening. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Truth from the Stand Deer Hunting Podcast, and I've got my good buddy on. It's pr- it's a appropriate timing for this gentleman to be on because he is the scrape guru, freak, fiend, the man that like if he if he could sleep with scrapes, he might. You know? <laughs> oh man, yeah. Well, yeah. My, my, my my good buddy Jake Hofer from Exodus Outdoor Gear. What's going on, man? How much, man? Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on here. I'm, I do love scrapes. I have, I, I tell you what, I'm always trying to learn more every year, but it's uh it's a jam packed time to uh, learn as much as you can. And then you got to wait until next year to try to piece together some more information. I know. I think that's, that's the one thing that, that I like and that bums me out at the same time about scrapes. It's, it's, uh, I learned so much about deer from watching them, how they interact around scrapes and, getting video, you know, truck camera video of deer on scrapes, just watching their behavior, watch how they interact with the other deer that they might be with, what times of year certain deer might want to show up versus other deer. And then the thing that bums me out though, is that like that window is so small, (laughs) you know what I mean? Where it's like, you know, and so it really becomes, you know, critical to kind of look at the year over year data related to those things to start to build like a larger, larger data set that you can actually action against. Because if you just look at it isolated by eat by a year, you miss a lot of the, a lot of the picture. And so you really have to have patience, like with scrapes as exciting as they are. Patience is a virtue, whatever it comes to kind of scrapes and the data that it gives you. I mean, do you kind of feel the same way? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think if, if you're not going about it with that approach, you're just left chasing your tail the entire year. And then you, you end the year with a tag in your pocket. Like I really do think you have to uh, look at things in a, in a long-term form or fashion. And there's a lot of people that, that it's the, just a couple of years ago, it was just kind of like, I don't know about that. That seems kind of like hocus pocus. I don't know about that. And now it's just almost a common acceptance of, well, yeah, you got to look at the annual data. Well, four years ago, people were like, yeah, I don't know about that. But now it's a second nature. Everyone agrees. So I'm glad we could get to that point at least. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, you still have, I mean, I know typically speaking, most scrapes are tended at, at night, right? That's, you know, pretty common knowledge, I think for the most part, but there are high value ones that 
act a little bit and function a little bit differently. And to me, that's where that long-term data comes into play because you can start to pinpoint, you know, time frames by which the scrape is going to be your best friend and versus when it's not going to be your best friend. Where it's like you like you if this time of year if you're there, you're wasting sits. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This window of time, if you're there on for this particular scrape, if you're not there during that time, you've missed the season almost to a degree. Yeah. You know that I mean? area very, very easily. Yeah. 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 But before we jump into all that, man, how, uh, how are things been on, uh, in, in Illinois? Uh, all of them, yeah, both, both Illinois have been, no, Illinois has <laughs> been really good. Um, it's, uh, this year's flown by, um, really I've always, I've, oh, to be honest, I always thought people were full of crap when they're like, Oh, it, life only goes faster. You know, the further you get down, the quicker it goes. And I'd really truly thought that was total BS. And, uh, each year I, I understand what they're saying even more. So, uh, no, it's been really good. And uh, I've been poking around on some new farms and, and, uh, growing Exodus and and doing everything here. It's just been a, a fun year. Nice, man. What, uh, so you bought a farm last year, right? I bought two last year. You bought yeah. two last year. Okay. So I only think I knew of the one. Did you buy them at the same time or different times? They were pretty close. Yeah. I, I oh, bought, right. um, one under contract and one in July. And then the other one was, and uh, yeah, they're pretty much yeah August. They're about a okay. month apart. Okay, nice. So you've been uh, have you been hard at work doing habitat updates or N- not as much as I'd want to? Honestly, I need uh, this upcoming year. I need to schedule some vacation time off mm-hmm. because it's like I get going and then on. I'm a real estate license too, so like on Saturdays, I'm typically showing a farm or doing something. So it's like I only get these three hour pockets, and that's just enough to get started and get done. <laughs> so right. it's like uh, it's I like really I got everything. I got everything set up. Now it's time to put it all away. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I need to block out some more full days, but now I plan about uh, a little over a thousand shrubs in my house. Uh, got a house in 40 here and planted, you'll laugh at this, I planted 10 acres of soybeans with a two row planter all by myself. <laughs> and then, uh, so that was probably a dumb use of time, but I did that. The beans look great. Um, nice. and then put a new, uh, on the other farm, put in a new food plot and, uh, really try to stay off that farm because there was a, a really big deer in the area and, uh, that deer died opening day about uh, October. So that, kind of uh, October one that year died. So I wish, uh, you know, in hindsight, I would have spent a little bit more time on that farm, but now I'm uh, really excited. And uh, it's just opened up a whole new spectrum of things because you can, li- you can listen and learn about white tail habitat and all these different things, but it kind of, it doesn't really soak in because you're like, what, well, you know, I can't really do any of that. Like it, it sounds cool, but to go in and really dive in and, and learn all the different species, all the different shrubs and trees. And I'm, I'm really enjoying that entire process. Nice. Yeah. I feel like, your personality lends itself to someone who would want to kind of be into the weeds of like the very, like the specificity of of habitat management. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, Super excited. I got, uh, yeah, the three different species of dogwood. I know where it goes, what, (laughs) what flourishes where (laughs) and it's, uh, it's, I've really enjoyed it. And, uh, but it's been good. I think, um, it, it'll, it's going to take some time to get to where I think these farms full potential could be like my house. I really not to be uh, like a negative Nancy, but they're like, it's not a high caliber neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not why we bought it. We bought it because we want to live here, but the other farm uh, has quite a bit more potential. And I think we're, you know, we, we have a lot of work to do that to make it really great. So that's really exciting to me. Right. So you have a back 40 where you're at now, right? That's yep. right. And then what about the other piece? Um, so it's, um, it's between 30 and 70 acres. Okay. All right. Got it. Yep. Cool. Yeah. I, I love, like, we said before we started recording, we're just like, we're going to talk about some stuff, but we're going to keep it innocuous. Like we're not going to, not to let the cat yeah. out of the bag. So, so with that, man, you know, how are, you know, I know you usually, 
you know, listen, just in talking to you previously and just, you know, texting things like that. And just, you know, even in the off season, when we get together and are able to kind of see each other at the Harrisburg show and chat and stuff like that. I know, especially with your work schedule, cause I know you're crazy busy. You got the Exodus stuff. You've got the real estate stuff. Um, you might be, be building rockets for Elon Musk too. I don't know on the side, like who knows what you got going on, but, uh, you know, I know you're incredibly busy. So I know a lot of times for you, whether it's by your own, uh, by, by your own kind of, uh, desire or whether it's, you know, a requirement of just like your calendar, so to speak, you oftentimes, I'll say it this way. You're usually very patient at the beginning of October, right? Yeah. And so it, I know we've talked about this in the past. Like you don't get too geeked up about what you're potentially seeing around until you kind of get a little further in and you know, like, okay, I know which deer have now transitioned fully and that are going to be around, you know, or should be around. And then I know which ones are looking like they might be killable. You know what I mean? They're kind of like in the stratosphere of guys I would like to run across, if you will. Mm -hmm. So keeping, uh, keeping with the theme of vagueness, <laughs> how are the, uh, how the, how the prospects looking this year, aside from the, the, the big one that you yeah. that, that, that um, pretty good. Honestly, um, there's, there's some deer that I'm really familiar with, uh, from last year. So that's obviously a good thing going into this. Um, the one thing that just to back up to, I early October could be really awesome. If you have the, the property set up mm -hmm. to that spec, not quite there. Um, but there's no doubt that early part of October can be great. But typically, like you said, I, there's only so many days I can be like a dirt ball and not answer my phone. So I want to be really uh, strategic <laughs> with what those days are. Right. And, um, so yeah, I mean, really prospects are, are really solid. Um, last night there's a, a buck that actually showed up on cell camera that definitely doesn't spend a ton of time there, but he was in there, uh, Halloween, November 1st on a dough, and then he was gone. And then he showed up late season on, on a large food source. So, that's obviously really exciting, really solid deer. And then, um, but overall, I mean, I, I, there's really no shortage of bucks. The, like the wild unicorn, like the ginormous, uh, ginus, like there's always one that captures everyone's brain for the entire season. Necessarily, necessarily haven't found that deer, but, uh, it's, it should be fun. Should have plenty of deer to chase and, and bop around and, and bounce around. So I'm really excited about that. Nice. So for you this year, are you like, are you focusing on, I'm just curious, like, and not this year necessarily, but just now that you have some acreage, do you focus your time primarily on your acreage or do you still hunt some of the other places you've typically hunted in the past and so forth? Still a lot of the other places. So, yeah. um, the deer I shot last year was off my, my house. Um, and so, but going into this year, there's one deer that I'd shoot. Um, there's a lot of two and three year olds. Um, okay. so I don't, they can, they can eat for free uh, right. farm this year. <laughs> and, uh, the other one, you know, I really didn't hunt a ton. There's a buck, um, actually, um, I do have a deer on the other farm that I really want to kill. Um, so this same this year or last oh. year. Oh, dang. And so that got about like four inches taller. And so he's a really solid deer and, uh, same type of deal. He does not live on that farm, but he's following so far. This is the second year I've, I've been able to hunt it and he is following some of the same tendencies as he did last year. So that, that to me, like that November 5th, 6th, 7th, he's in there. And then he was on a doe on a food plot on the 12th. And then he was going up a ridge on the 13th on a cell camera. So like, I kind of have an idea where that window is. Okay. So, um, really that's, it's, uh, 
I can control those. So I really try not to overhunt those to be completely honest and just let, uh, let the deer do what they want and then try to go and try, try to be surgical. But usually it's like a dull machete, right? Especially <laughs> my level of procession. Uh, but no, and then there's not a lot of uh, permission still running the cameras on public and just uh, right. trying to, trying to bounce around as much as I can right. yeah, to where you, it makes sense. You strategically go out and extinguish him. Right. It's like, yes, absolutely, man. <laughs> absolutely. I sent, I sent Chad a text yesterday because I've had this this like no, no, we're getting off topic now, but I have I've had this grunt tube for like two years that I've used, and it sound it's and I don't use a grunt tube a lot. You know what I mean? It's like I try not to call a whole lot, but it is helpful. I don't call. I call next to never in Pennsylvania, but it is helpful whenever you're somewhere like Kansas. You know what I mean? And like, you're going to rattle. Like I had the buck that I had was at full draw on last year. He came into the snort wheeze, you know, I saw him. He, I don't think he saw my decoy right away. And then he hit this scrape and he kind of turned away to walk away. And I let him just get out of like eyesight to where I couldn't see him anymore. But I just knew he was just down this little like gully and I, and I snort wheezed at him and he spun right around and came back. And then that's when mm. he came close enough to, I, you know, I needed like two more steps to put an arrow in him. It just didn't happen. So but the thing that I've noticed out there is that, especially on the ground, is like the grass is so loud. Like it's, when you're not up above it, like it's really, really hard to hear. And I never really paid that much attention to that because I hunt on the ground some in Pennsylvania, but not a ton. Being mm-hmm. out there and being on the ground almost every day, it's like you realize how much you can't hear, how much mm-hmm. the, the vegetation around you muffles everything that's kind of going on. And so this grunt tube, it sounds great as far as like how it's like, it sounds like what you hear a deer do. But part of that is, is because you, if you hit it too hard, it locks it up. Like you almost Ah. have to breathe softly. And so whenever you see a buck come in, try to make sure you're breathing softly enough to like grunt, like ain't happening, man. Like you're jacked up. It's like, and this (laughs) thing's popping. (laughs) Yeah. This thing's going like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. You know? And so I was like, I got to get rid of this thing because I need to be able to like rip one off when I need it to go off in Kansas, whenever I need to stop a buck or at least get his attention. So I went with the extinguisher, dude. I, I took a picture of it and sent it to Chad. It was like, I joined the club. Well, uh, be ready to kill some giant deer. That's all I got to say. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's, that's the hardest part of it. You just got to buy one of those. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, that's true. That's true. Uh, that's, so anyone, everyone out there listening, that's been like the running joke of like the, the Exodus <laughs> crew. Yeah. Is the extinguisher is like the call of all calls. It just lays giants down. It's killed. It's tricked some deer in its day. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> it's funny too, because there's some people, for instance, like even, uh, with the Exodus podcast, I have one guy on one week. He's like, I wouldn't, you couldn't pay me to touch a ground call. Then the next, the next guest, the next week who kills giants, just, you know, as, um, as consistent as the other guy. And he's like, Oh, I'm, I'm grunting, I'm rattling, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm using the decoy. And then it me, it's a guy that's trying to learn from more, you know, learn from people. It's like, well, what the hell are you supposed to, because that's the, everything is so conflicting. There's so many conflicting principles about shooting deer. And, uh, sometimes that, that ran a little bit. I don't know if you experienced that too, from all folks you've talked to. Yeah. I mean, it's, I definitely have, man. And I guess I just learned over, over time, you know, that, uh, everyone kind of, all the guys who are killers, they all kind of, they have some very kind of core principles that are the same, you know what I mean? Is what I've kind of found. And then it's like the, it's the peripheral things like on the outside, that's kind of like the spice they add to the way that mm-hmm. they hunt. Those things are always like different, you know what I mean? And, unless like you get like a, you know, um, 
God, I can't remember what can't remember is uh, Eberhard, uh, John Eberhard. Yeah. Like he's very different, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like it's just, you know, in like, don't care about scent control or whatever. But if you actually look at like the principles of how he hunts really, because the all biggest, very well, the longest, yeah, the longest time it's like everyone thought he and Dan were like the polar opposite people. It's like, well, no, they're actually very similar, except that Dan is like wind and thermal, like wizard. And John doesn't give a shit. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like that's the difference between the two of them. But like yeah. they both are hunting in and around bedding areas, you know, they cover like, security cover. Co- yeah. Yeah. You know, so, but yeah, I mean, I've definitely noticed that everyone kind of has their, uh, their little, their little thing that they, that they do or don't do, you know? Um, mm-hmm. but when it gets right down to like the handful of things, you know, take John out of the equation, but like, you know, it's, it's wind, it's cover, it's, you know, knowing how to play the thermals, it's getting away from pressure. If, if you're hunting public mm-hmm. or whatever the case is, you know, and then, and then you even have arguments. This is the one thing that I think is like a principle, but I do know people that don't care about it. It's like always like chasing a cold front. Like if you talk to, and I know you have talked to Jared Scheffler and those guys, they hate cold fronts. Like they'd mm-hmm. rather have a, like a warmer sunny day to hunt than they would like a super cold day. And they'll even make mention of it in the white tail adrenaline videos. Like they'll be driving around like, 27 degrees today, chasing that cold front, not a single deer out. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, and so, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, there's some truth to it. Cause I mean, who's, who's to tell them that they're wrong. Cause they, you know, kill giants. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Grit and time in the woods is probably the, the two, uh, most important factors really. Yeah, no, that's a hundred percent true. And I mean, it's, especially if you're looking to try to kill a specific deer or a mature deer or whatever, it's like time. Like I marvel at guys like Andy may who consistently does it and does it in like, I got three days off like this whole season. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just like, you can book it. Like he's going to fill a mule deer tag. He's going to fill a Michigan white tail tag. He's going to go to another state and fill another tag. And mm-hmm. uh, he'll have a combined total hunt time of probably four days. You know what I mean? It's, it's impressive. He, he might have like, four additional or six additional days of like scout time that he spent like on those trips collectively before he killed. But it's like his efficiency is just ridiculous. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't know that I'm efficient, that efficient at anything in my life. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm not. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But hundred percent. Yeah. So anyway, you know, things we aspire to, right? There we go. Got to have goals. So agreed. Um, all right, man. So basically we're here at scrape week Eve, right? That's kind of actually, as we're recording this, it really is scrape week Eve. It's not, a, yeah. it's not a lie. Cause it's, it's Sunday we're recording. It's tomorrow's what the 24th, I think. Yep. yep. 24th, which starts the officially starts kind of scrape week, which is that week leading up to Halloween essentially. And as you get there ready for November 1st. So what, a how so let me ask so those that are listening if you don't know jake is like scrape week is like his national holiday like this that's is my like, christmas it is it is <laughs> so on a scale of one to ten how pumped are you for scrape week right now uh, it's a scale of like 10 being uh I, I probably i would say it's a little bit a tiny bit less than last year to be completely honest and this is just based off of some some lack of scraped activity up to this date but i mean i'm, I'm every bit of an eight eight and a half, uh, you know, 8.5. So that's where I'm at. And I think, uh, 
this is what has me really excited. It was like 80 degrees today here in Illinois. And then I'm looking at um, the weather. It's going to be 59 on Wednesday. So that's almost uh, wow. never been that great of math, like 20 degree, 20 degree temperature <laughs> drop with a rain on that Tuesday. Like oh. it's going to rain all day Tuesday and then Wednesday is going to stop. And so like that to me is going to be a really exciting time. But the uh, I think part of the reason why I'm not super stoked with Scrape Week is Scrape Week to me is the deer that has kind of been in your back pocket for the month of October that you just feel like you're just kind of a little far out of game. He's not spending a lot of daylight hours on your farm or maybe not at all, but that scrape week is like when he starts to expand that home range and uh, just get a little bit less careless in some form or fashion. So I don't necessarily have that. Like, I wish I could say right now, I I know where I'm going to be on the 26th. I don't know where I'm going to be on the 26th right now. So that's why I'm not as Jack, but um, I did, I did pull some cards here today and uh, I have a pretty good idea where I should be, but it's just, it's a uh, finding the scrape. It's really hard to explain, but I, and it's, it's a lot easier too. Cause like walking on, on other farms or like farm my list or, or just out and about like that's a scrape that's need to be set up on. And then they're like, yeah, whatever. I was like, well, let's put a cell camera there and just see how it shakes out. And nine out of 10 times they're like, yeah, you were right. And then, you know, here, you know, that deer was on there hitting, hitting the scrape. So like, this is an, an instance here, uh, Skyler, he's an intern here in Illinois. His folks own a little, a small track under 40 acres. And we walk it out there and I'm like, you need to have a camera there. And then, so they got a camera out there and there's a giant on that scrape. And I was like, well, tell your dad he needs to be there like the 26, he's going to kill him. So we'll see how that plays <laughs> out. But I wish I had that scrape. So I could go and, and quarterback it myself. Right, right. So I mean, when we before we started recording, you mentioned because really what we're going to talk about. I know we've been kind of you know going on for like almost twenty minutes now, but what we are going to actually kind of focus on is patterning, you know, scrapes and deer around scrapes, and more specifically, like scrapes, scrapes themselves. Um, and what you had mentioned just before we jumped on was that. And I didn't know this. I I know this just from my own personal cameras. What I ha- have have been seeing, and I kind of felt like. Last year, it was like everything kind of trickled in and then it popped all of a sudden and then it kind of slowed down. It popped around like my spe- my my kind of like uh, sneaky dates, I like to refer to them as. And then it popped again like when everyone – like this time of year, scrape week. It's like it took sure. off again, right? It felt very normal, but I felt like it was just amped up even just a little bit, right? It, what you had mentioned before we started recording was that like what you have heard seen, and seen – and just you run a ton of cameras you because of Exodus, you know a lot of people who run a lot of cameras, right? So mm-hmm. you, not only do you have firsthand data, but you also have a lot of people who give you kind of secondhand data, intel about what they're seeing, what's going on. And you said that scrape activity this year so far, just in general, generally speaking, has been down. Is that is that what you've been hearing? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying like it's definitely uh, on a lower percentile of where it is typically or where it's been in the last couple of years. So to me, that might be interesting to see if the intensity picks up aggressively. So, I mean, this might be a good thing. I mean, maybe in a week from now, I'm like, man, I'm glad it was actually slow because now it's exploded, you know, and uh, rocketed out. So, but yeah, across the board, even um, I pulled a bunch of cards on Friday on some farms where typically there's some good bucks popping around. There's like no sign. And I don't know, I don't, I don't even think it's necessarily like the crop rotation or, or what exactly, but you would think with how good this October has been in terms of temperatures, like temperatures here in Illinois have been, uh, a lot lower than the last couple of October's I can remember. So I can't tell you why it is exactly, but that is uh, the empirical data I can share, which is probably not helpful to anybody, but right. <laughs> I can tell you it's, it's down right now and we'll see what, is, what happens here in the future. Right. But uh, I mean, 
I can guarantee, you know, after this, this next cold front rolling in this week, if you know, like you think, man, you know, there's that big scrape, you know, I remember seeing go set up on it, go put a camera on it or go set up on it. And you're going to have a good hunt, hopefully. Right. The, uh, yeah. Cause I mean, it has been a good October. I mean, there's been two cold fronts in October, like for mm-hmm. us, at least, you know what I mean? For, for PA, there's been two cold fronts. There was one at the very beginning, which I missed cause I was sick, which sucked. And then this last one that happened just last week, you know, or around the, for us, at least, I think it started like the 18th. It was like the 18th, 19th and 20th, which are great dates to have like a little cold front, especially for like those sneaky dates where it's like, you know, you have some little hidey holes, little gems, you know, you want to slip in. And I agree with that. Yeah, for sure. And that was, and I did see some like action kind of like pick up. And even whenever I was up in the North piece this past weekend, um, lots of fresh scrapes that had just been opened up. So I feel like mm-hmm. it might've been trickling in. Maybe it's going to kind of finally, finally pop off. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I know that, you know, something that I've picked up from you and Chad and have been doing the past several years is, you know, not just using trail cameras and, and capturing annual data, just generally speaking, but I really kind of focus on like scrape data over multiple, multiple years. And we were talking about this before we jumped on too, where it's like, if you if you just watch a scrape like a good scrape and we're not talking about like you know the scrape that's just you know along the you know the the field edge or something like that that they're not going to hit in day like the the area the one that's like the whole herd is going to want to use right the community scrape types of setups and if you have like one year of information you might not see a whole lot that's happening right it's like oh, okay here and it's like and maybe they hit it like the typical dates you know what I mean, that you would expect like during scrape week or whatever but when you start to get like multiple years of like a scrape like you can really start to see how those deer use it and like what time frames specifically they're they're using it right mm-hmm. and that to me is like i mean i'm not sure i'm guessing you would agree with this but to me it's like if you're not using annual data around a scrape man it's like you're it's, it's really, really hard to hunt scrapes. I think you're hamstringing yourself. Yeah. yeah. You're missing the picture for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Um, but, but to, to your point in terms of, uh, there's one scrape in particular on a farm that I hunt and it's on a Oak tree on the, it's on the, it's like probably maybe a hundred yards from a road, County road. Mm-hmm. And this scrape, you can basically inventory every deer in the surrounding area. Not that they're there in the daylight, but it's funny because I'll get, some flyers, you know, I've run a bunch of cameras and then on this scrape, it's like, Oh, here, 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 here. And then, um, then you find out that, Oh, that deer was shot way over there, way over there, way over. So it's, they are sometimes on those field edge, you're not probably going to set up on them, but they could still be a really fantastic, um, just general inventory to know if there's some deer that maybe you're, you're hoping just to get, maybe you're, this, you're newer to hunting and you're like, man, I really don't know what the heck I'm doing, but I just want to be where there's the most amount of good bucks. Cause that's probably where my best odds are. That could be a great way to use a camera just to find the highest per capita kill shoot, you know, bucks you want to shoot. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, that's a good point just in terms of, you know, those lesser value. When I say lesser value, lesser hunting value scrapes, right. Mm-hmm. And using them in look, 98% of the activity on that's probably going to be nocturnal, but that's okay. If you're just trying to get an idea of like, who's in what's the out area. here. Yeah, 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 exactly. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. 
we've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Is there a four four-year-old bucks or is there one and like a bunch of two-year-olds? Well, you're going to find out. Right. Yeah. Cause and I'll definitely even just, you know, in big woods pieces, I'll definitely just throw cameras up on scrapes to even see like, what is this? Like I did it today. Actually, I, I pulled some cameras and I moved, uh, I moved some and one of them was a scrape that I found. And I was like, you know, I know it's not a community scrape cause it's, it's just in an area that would suggest it's just a scrape part of a scrape line. But I'm like, I also just want to know what deer, if I can get year over year over deer that live, I want to know what deer are making this area a part of their typical pattern during Mm -hmm. you know late october into early november essentially right Mm -hmm. and so i want to see like let me let me gather some inventory in this spot you know probably not going to hunt that area because there's a bigger scrape that's up on this top piece that's probably where i'll where i would hunt in and around but i can probably tell you know which deer are going to be in the general area if i use this like even nocturnal information Mm -hmm. yeah i totally agree with that yeah so it's you know have to qualify and they're all a little bit different, but so I want to ask, I, I failed to ask this whenever you mentioned this, when you were like, uh, Skylar, it was like, tell your dad this scrape, like put a camera on giant shows up. Right. So you're kind of like the, uh, you're kind of like rain man with scrapes. Like <laughs> I do. Uh, yeah. Sometimes I do think I'm on the spectrum, but that's for a different conversation. <laughs> well, we can have my wife test you afterwards. We'll take care. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, so what is it about these scrapes? Like, cause you, you do have an uncanny ability to just be like, it's that one. You know, you did, I think with the element guys like two years ago and like they ended up killing like a hammer there, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yeah. And then even uh, when we were scouting in Iowa, uh, Cameron and Chad, they're scouting for the, you know, the tag that they were going to get. And uh, we put a, a camera up on a scrape on this piece of public and Chad like, Oh, whatever. And then um, Cameron was talking to another guy that, hunts that area. And he's like, yeah, I wounded 160 on this scrape points of the map. And is exactly where we put the camera. So <laughs> that's another one. So, um, and, and I, I wish it was something I could just tell you, but I've just walked a ton of, I've been fortunate to grow up in Illinois. So I've been able to walk a lot of diverse ground where I'm at in Illinois. It's very like there's prairie type parcels. There's bluff type parcels. There's river bottom tarp type parcels. So I've been able just to kind of draw a lot. And then beyond that, I've been able to run cameras on a bunch of crappy scrapes and some really good ones. And so the really good ones do have some common themes. And this is something that slowly starting to kind of figure out, but where I typically find them, they are near some sort of water source, meaning like stream. So typically maybe that doesn't necessarily mean a river. It doesn't, it's, it could be even just a small Creek that's 10, 10 yards wide. That's one thing. The other thing is it's typically more in the bottom land. I don't know. Thermals. Yeah. And so, and then typically where there's Creek and then there's bottom ground, typically there's some good area, good bedding potential. And then the other thing is this is happens a lot too, where it's, there's not a lot of buckeye trees here in Illinois, but wherever I find I'm on a, on a, on a bottom along the Creek and I like, I'm checking all these boxes and then I see a buckeye tree and then I f- see a scrape. This has been hammered year over year over year. Like that is the scrape week scrape period. Scrape, and that's when we're, we're scrape <laughs> week we're, scrape. If you were going to make a logo, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there it is. That's what it looks like. Right. And um, so we were walking it uh, one day uh, this summer and I was like, Oh, there's some buckeye trees. Here's this Creek. 
And then we're like, I was like, is there a spot where you always see a scrape? And he's like, ah, yeah, over here. And then we go over there and says, well, licking branch has been hammered forever. And so, you know, he helped qualified in that sense. But, and even the, the one that the element guy shot, like I remember seeing Buckeye trees. I remember there was a Creek that ran right through it. And then it was more on the bottom part, like not a huge elevation change, but like there in Illinois, like 20, 30 feet elevation change. So, and then I think of the ones where I have always had really good success. Like it follows those same exact uh, things. So, I mean, once again, empirical data, but I've run enough cameras and I've seen enough locations. That's kind of what the case is. And then even that one in Iowa on public was along near, like near a water source. So it's like, I, you know, I can't tell you why that is, but that's something I do see often. Yeah. That's the one scrape area that I hunted last night in that North piece. There's a bunch of scrapes that just kind of popped up. They're all relatively fresh because they're dropping leaves in the North piece right now because it just gets colder up there and they, their leaves drop just a little bit earlier. So things are coming down pretty quick. Um, and those were all uncovered. And so I was like, okay, these are like a day two, you know, maybe two days old or whatever, since they've mm-hmm. been, been opened up right along water. <laughs> so I don't think we have Buckeye trees here. Maybe we do. I don't know. I, yeah. Not- and, and we really don't have many, but every time I've seen Buckeye trees in a, or a Creek bottom or something like that, it's always been really good. Now I wouldn't spend time in there after the first couple of really hard frosts here in Illinois, because it opens up so drastically uh, after those hard frosts. So it's like, once again, some of these areas really only have high probabilities during a short window. And this, like those types of scenarios, it would be right now. And then obviously uh, during the rut, go to your slot machine and press the button and see what it comes out. But like, if you're right. trying to be somewhat methodical, those are some things to consider. All right. So you mentioned a, a couple of times there, that you just, you've had a lot of opportunity to gather a lot of data, run a lot of truck cameras, et cetera, et cetera, to kind of, to pull all this information together to, to start to see some consistencies, you know, in, in scrapes, their usage, where they're located, you know, where they're, you know, ones that maybe get overlooked that are, you know, like you pointed out to dude, like, Hey, this is the hot spot. Hey, boom, there's a giant, mm-hmm. you know, are there, so with that, you know, I, because I don't have a ton of time off, I mean, I'm a normal working guy, I got some flexibility, but I try to be very strategic about when I do take time off and giving myself the best opportunity. Um, so I use that annual data to try to pattern scrapes and try to focus in on like, okay, historically, what are the windows of time that like this scrape turns on, this turns off, this one then turns back on or turns on and it turns off, but then this one over here turns on this week, you know? So I'm just curious to you, are there any dates consistent that you have seen outside of like, we all know like scrape week, you have a whole week dedicated to it. This is a great week. If you don't know anything about scrapes, find yourself a good scrape. This could be a good week, you know, mm-hmm. but outside of that, are there any dates consistent that maybe are that are unexpected or that maybe people overlook or don't, don't think of? Yeah. Um, there, this is the overlooked opportunity in my opinion, but this is here in Illinois that November 10, 11, 12. Really? So yeah. And I've seen some absolute hammers on scrapes uh, during those, those timeframes. And that's when people mostly could completely discount them. But what I think it is in, there's the one that got away. This is like the, this is the deer that was ingrained. It has a, a branding on my brain. So basically he showed up Halloween. So AKA during the scrape week, working this scrape. And then I'm thinking, well, I'm probably this is the first time I ever started hunting that farm. So I really didn't know anything about the area or the bucks or anything, but it was a giant. And then November 10th, he was on a scrape in daylight, like three o'clock in the afternoon. And then I was, um, this is when I lived in the suburbs and for that short stint. And, and he was on a doe for like November 12, 13, 14, 15. And then he got killed like 16, uh, you know, a ways away. So, and then there's some other instances too, where it's what I basically, what I think is happening is 
they get on their, their doe during, you know, peak breeding time. And then they get off that doe and they're looking for the next one. And they're frequenting some scrapes once again to try to find one. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just something I've seen. It's still a, it's still a working process, but really November 10, 11, 12, I do see some pretty strong activity on scrapes and usually they are really big deer too. Right now, would you say, you know, <clears throat> so in October, it's like, for example, you know, you have a scrape that's opened up and is getting some activity. It's like, you know, you can, that's going to be huntable maybe for a little bit, depending if you have annual data, it says it's, it might be better at a, diff, at a certain like three day window than like, than a week later or whatever. That That's of course kind of, you know, plays out, but you know, you usually have the month of October, right. For, for the most part, mm-hmm. when you get into kind of November, it seems like the scrapes are, the window is much shorter where it's like, if you don't have it timed almost to the day, like you're almost mm-hmm. going to be late. Cause that's the one thing that I noticed just in, you know, whether it was hunting uh, Iowa or even whenever I was hunting some of the big wood stuff with Chad and, and, and stuff like that in Ohio, where, you know, we would see like boom banger activity and it'd be like two days and it's gone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. It's like, if you weren't there and knew one exactly, it was going to happen. You're, it's just, it's not going to happen for you. You know, mm-hmm. do you think that that happened? Do you think that that's the case in November? Cause I mean, uh, they're, yeah. they're still kind of, they're looking for their dose. So they're really just kind of in those areas where they think there's an opportunity. And if you're not there knowing when that opportunity, when they think that that opportunity is going to exist, then you're, then you're missing it. Uh, yeah. That's something you definitely have to be predicting versus reacting a hundred percent, but having a lot of cameras on those spots and having that, um, annual data, you can become just a little bit more effective and it's really hard. I mean, it's, it's easy to kind of guess sometimes, but to actually go and set up and kill one based off of such a limited, narrow, you know, scope of the entire, like think of the entire landscape. And then here's this one scrape that I think you're going to hit on these two dates during daylight, like, but you have a chance. Right. And that's, I think where a guy like, Ryan Glitzky, where I think his approach during that time frame, which I think makes sense because he's a rut hunter, like by definition mm-hmm. and by his own description, he's a rut hunter because he loves scrapes, but he doesn't often hunt them. Like I, I don't know how you, you, I think we do it similarly, but I want to shoot to the scrape, but that's how, that's how I hunt them. A lot of times. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Nine out of 10 times. It's like, I want to have a shot to the scrape. Mm-hmm. Ryan's actually the opposite. He rarely will set up over top of a scrape unless the setup requires it but he often will play whatever the funnel is or whatever the pinch is or whatever the terrain features is going to move that deer he's going to have to pass through here to check that scrape that's usually how how he hunts it and i think if that's how you hunt scrapes november might be a little bit more forgiving because you could just get opportunity yeah (laughs) you know what i mean as opposed to like it's this one spot you know what i mean it's almost Mm -hmm. like bed hunting i'm going to hunt this bed that deer's going to be here yeah yeah in a lot of ways yeah totally you know and if he's not you're out of the game if he is man, it's a slam dunk, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I totally agree with that. Yeah. One, um, uh, <laughs> I, I love how there's like a rut hunter, like being a rut hunter is like some form of slander now. I know, but, uh, <laughs> but you know what, but you know what? A lot of people who hunt the entire rut and don't kill a buck, they wish they could be considered a rut hunter. You know what? When they end the year without killing anything, like, man, I wish I could at least just kill one during the rut, but I, I, I'm being somewhat facetious on that, but it's, uh, uh, I just love that. How it's like, Oh, well he only kills giants during the rut. Well, at least he's killing giants. Dude, man. <laughs> I will take him. I'm an equal opportunity, like killer. I don't care what time of season it, it happens. You know, for me, it's like, I've tried to become a better October hunter just because that's the only time I really get to spend in Pennsylvania because then I'm, I usually travel somewhere, you know, in, in November. And so mm-hmm. for me in PA, it's like, I've had to, you know, 
get better at kind of finding like I'm not a great bed hunter, but trying to find bedding areas that have like scrape activity that I that I can still use like my scrape senses, you know, to to kind yeah. of hunt those areas to a degree. So that kind of, you know, um I guess this kind of leads into like the next question I wanted to ask. So because we were talking about this a little bit earlier and and I'd made mention that you know the thing about scrape weeks, it's an awesome time to be in the woods and you could, you could just knock it out of the park with the right day and the right weather and, and all those things. Right. But it's also the week of October where everyone outside of the rut, where everyone wants to be in the woods. Right. And so yeah. if you're a public land guy like myself, it's like, man, scrape week is as much as it's super rad. It's also a challenge because lots of dudes taking vacation this week, you know, to be, to are be they, in the woods. is that, I feel like that's gotta be a more common occurrence now is, is this, because I feel like part of the reason we started scrape week or why we kind of branded it and coined it was because it was, I felt the most overlooked week of the entire year. Well, I mean, I'm I still like, think man. like the first week in November and that's, you know, a lot of guys sure. take the travel trips and stuff like that. I still think that that's like the leading, the leading week, but I'll say this, like I saw more people today in the North piece that I, and when I've been there in the past, like I haven't seen anybody, but I saw more people today, like later part of October than I have before. And even just corroborating that with like a buddy of mine who lives up there. It's like, man, I ran and saw a lot of, I didn't run into too many in the woods, but, or, but it was a lot of like dudes in the parking lot and stuff like that. And, and, mm-hmm. but I feel like if you are hunting scrapes and that's like what you're like, this is the week. And so you're going to be out, you know? So for me, you know, are there any, I guess the way to ask it would be, are there any sneaky dates for you to where it's like, yeah, scrape week is the week, but these times during October, if you're, if you play your cards right and you really know these, your areas, these mm-hmm. dates can be gold. I think you're right with the like 16th to the 19th of October is a great opportunity. If you, mm-hmm. if you're aware of some deer in a particular area, um, I really do like November 10, 11, 12 for mm-hmm. sneak those. another sneaky. Cause a yeah, lot of people are sure. thinking like it's the game's kind of over to a degree, not yeah. over, but like it's getting late in the game, you know? Yeah. Yep. And then, um, I mean, and then the other, other points, like sometimes that uh, Thanksgiving timeframe is okay. Um, here in Illinois, the shotgun season is the third weekend every, every week of November every year. So the deer behavior across the board just becomes really, um, muffled, I guess, just from the, the input of uh, pressure, but even, you know, even in January, depending on deer density areas where fawns are maybe going to heat or does that didn't get bred the first time around, I mean, scrape activity could still be uh, pretty strong during that time frame. But I don't necessarily think you're you're setting up on that scrape in, in a lot of instances, but you can still take really good inventory of, okay, well, this buck came in on, let's say, say you're using a cell camera. He comes in, he hits that scrape. Okay, well, I know he's bedded here. He's going to get up and come feed over here tonight. Well, then you have a good idea to set up that evening. So I think that's uh, that's one way to maybe... It adds another level of a step, but could, you know, yield you an opportunity. Right. Yeah. My sneaky days are the ones you mentioned was that 16th through the 19th. Like those, those have become yeah. aside from traveling to hunt somewhere and hunting in no- November, those have become like my three, three to four favorite days of October mm-hmm. to hunt for me, for me personally. I just yanked some cards and I like the 17th there was like, ah, oh, damn it. I should have been up there. <laughs> <laughs> and I had, I have one cell camera on there and I'm just like, uh, you know, and this is another point, like, so I, this is just my hot take and everyone can disagree. I don't really care. The cell cam pictures, I think make deer look smaller across oh, 100%. the board. Yeah. 
And then I think the lift two video, it's like you have to take 10 inches off the deer. So like cell camera, add 10 inches, lift two, subtract 10 inches. Right. And I'm pretty sure I had these deer on, on the cell camera. I'm like, ah, whatever. Like, you know, I'm going to try to go find something a little bit different. But now when God was like, oh man, those were like maybe 23 inch main beams. <laughs> I didn't really realize that. <laughs> so, uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, yeah, yeah but, cause I would agree with that because so there was, um, so I was out on the 18th and there's a, there's a spot. It's a primary scrape. I've hunted it two years in a row, had an encounter. People heard me tell this story on here before that I had with a shooter last year that didn't get an arrow off. And so I went back in this year, same exact date. And it just worked out because I was watching, I was waiting for the right weather and the right wind more so the right wind. Cause I was going to hunt those dates. Those, those dates are dates where it's like the weather will help me is how I look at it. The weather will help me, but those dates are the dates, you know, and I'm going to hunt mm-hmm. the, I'm going to hunt that spot regardless of weather, so long as I have the right wind, you know? Um, and there's certain kind of conditions in that spot to where it's like, if I have the right condition, the right weather condition, I can almost hunt any wind in that spot and it doesn't matter. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you after like, why that is, but <laughs> sure. So, um, so I, I was going in there and, you know, uh, had an encounter with a shooter and I'm pretty sure I have him on camera. And when I saw him on camera, I was like, eh, I don't know. You know what I mean? I was like, for PA, he's okay. I was like, but he's still not like caliber of deer that I've had on camera like the past two years. So I was like, eh, probably pass him. I ended up seeing him and like his mass was just like stupid. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where I was like, and then I finally got a full frontal view of him when he stood up and I had the glass on him. And I was like, oh yeah, he might be five. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) just like big old brisket on him. You know what I mean? Like just a big, Mm -hmm. big deer, you know, looked like a mature deer. Um, but that date for me, I corroborated that with three years of trail camera data on that, that spot, that this particular spot always popped off around the same three days in October all the time or past three years, two encounters the past two years there. But what really sold it for me was this, uh, summer. And this is why it's important to run trail cameras all year round. I saw what time the first fawn dropped and it would Mm -hmm. backdate to her having to have been bred like around the 20th. Isn't that crazy how that works too? Yeah. So it's like, so it was like the truck camera data told me one thing, <clears throat> my visual, like my observation of being in the tree told me, yes, this, like your truck camera data is, you're proving that now, right? You're confirming it. And then I saw the early fun drop and I was like, Yahtzee, this spot will mm-hmm. do this every single year. You know, I was like, cause that fawn's going to pass her estrus dates to her fawn or to her doe fawns. So mm-hmm. as long as that doe family stays in that area, which it, which it will, uh, they don't, t- typically does. Yeah. yeah that spot should be money pretty much every, every single year. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. One other date that, um, now that I'm thinking November 3rd, there in 2018 to 2019, I shot, uh, bucks on November 3rd. I had a scrape. So that's another, uh, um, time that typical work. But in a lot of times too, though, the area that was really, really hot during scrape week, um, for whatever reason, that area was still a lot of times it just comes down to, um, how many bucks are in the area? And then like how competitive is it for that first doe going into heat? And then how many are just left holding the back waiting for the next doe to come into heat? And you know, they're just uh, right. circling blood like sharks, like just hitting scrapes. So that's something right. that I guess November 3rd. And this is the other thing too, about that hunt on the 18th was that this buck was actually, I think doing something similar that, um, that I actually picked up from John Eberhardt where he actually came embedded to where he could smell that scrape. Like the way mm. the wind was blowing, he was bedded 40 yards That's off cool. that scrape. Downwind of the scrape. Yeah. So he wasn't going to like play the game of like, I'm going to go chase this doe that I, that should be coming into estrus around here. I'm just going to 
plot my ass 40 yards from this scrape in this brush. I'm going to lay here and see if she comes by. You know wow. what I mean? As opposed to wasting his energy running, trying to find her. He's like, that's really cool. Yeah. So I was like, wow. I was like, that's, I was like, he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, his wall would also indicate that he knows what he's talking about, but you know. Uh, yeah. It, it's cool to see things in practice where things just start to click like, oh, yeah, that, that makes sense. That's what they're supposed to do. Yeah, it's it it, it was that. And then whenever he actually got up, because he was there for like at least two hours um, that I know of. He might have been there a little bit earlier because I didn't see him slip in. But is that when he when I saw him and he got up, you know, I didn't think about him catching the wind of the scrape, like until like actually like after the hunt, I started like analyzing, like, why the hell did he do all the stuff that he did? You know, that was the coolest part mm-hmm. about that hunt. Cause I actually just got to watch a mature deer be a mature deer. For, cool. Like, you know, well, I actually had glass on him for an hour, but he was in the area for like another hour um, that I know of. And the one I lost visual of him was because the wind switched and he got up as soon as the wind switched and just like gotten some brush. I lost him. And then, couldn't find him again. And he came back. But when he ended up to, when he ended up standing up to leave, he stood up right from where he was better before he just switched the direction he was facing. Mm-hmm. Cause he wanted to, he didn't want to, he didn't want to look where the wind was coming from. He wanted to look the opposite direction. So since the wind switched, he needed to switch and flip so he could look the opposite direction now. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, man, I was like, you hear all these things about how they change their bedding. And so it's like, they may not change their bed. They may just change how they're laying at it. Just depending. You know yeah. what I mean? Which is, which is interesting. And he was playing the scrape too at the same time, which is just like, that's when you're like, yeah, that's a, that's an old buck. Like he's been around a while. He's figured out the game. Yeah. You know? He knows a thing or two about a thing or two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So man, speaking, continuing down the path of, you know, patterning scrapes, how, what impact do you, or have you seen weather have on the pattern or maybe the lack thereof of, of scrapes. How does it kind of impact what you would see like year over on a spot that you, that you feel good about? Cause to me, like I was mentioning earlier, that spot, I don't care what the weather is doing. As long as I got the right wind, I know it's going to be right, but I'm just curious mm-hmm. if you've also seen that or, or do you see something different? Yeah, I would say it's pretty, I mean, I, I feel uh, weather's kind of a multiplier in general. And mm. so it should be, uh, let's say on a, it could be a 10 out of 10 and it'll say things are pretty stagnant. It's still probably going to be like a six out of 10, but everywhere else is going to be a two out of 10. So it's still, you know, four times better. And right. so maybe that's one way to describe it. But um, yeah, I typically, I wish I could say like this specific weather pattern, this is exactly what's going to happen. But overall it's what you would expect a cold front rolls in. It's that last week of October and it's like where everything's lining up. And obviously that can uh, enhance movement, but it's still typically going to be, Okay. I mean, I can think of a lot of big bucks that are hitting a scrape during that scrape week time frame in the evening when it might just be a in in the world of algorithms an okay day instead of a right, great day. Right. Do you do you historically see more scrape activity in, when I'm speaking here now of just like daylight activity? But are you seeing it more in the morning or are you seeing it do you see it more in the evening? It depends a little bit on on parcel. Um I would on average I would say evening on really? average. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say that for sure. But then there's some other specific ones where, um, it seemed to be morning. So it, I think that probably has some of the ones I'm thinking of more of the evening is probably more in relation to food. And then some of the ones where I'm saying in the morning, those are areas that, I mean, the one that comes to mind is like, there was no food there. It was, uh, old CRP bottoms and they were coming off the, the bluff eating acorns. 
hitting that, going back to bed. So like, so it's on the I would way to say, bed. yeah, exactly. So I think depending on where you're at, think, okay, is this great more correlated to food or is it more correlated to bedding? And then if it's food evening, uh, bedding morning would be right. the best way to think shoe box them a little bit. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense because a lot of the ones that I, I hunt, I usually like to hunt them in the morning. It's usually whenever I see, um, when I have my best encounters, I guess, I, sh- I guess I should say, but I'm also mm-hmm. in an, in an area where I'm, I'm not flush with, you know, Ooh, destination yeah. food sources, you know what I mean? Sure. Uh, but speaking of food, that's a good, good, perfect transition. Almost like we planned it. Um, <laughs> Is I'm curious what you see in terms of food source impact of just general patterning of scrapes. And the reason I ask this is because so last year I had a handful of scrapes that like all all the like main community scrapes that I identified that were getting hit year round, you know, like all popped off. It was like I could have picked any one of them and had a great hunt at any at any point. And in two of them actually I did. I went out on the 16th. Another sneaky date for me. Great mm-hmm. encounter on one. Went out the 18th. Had great encounter on on another one, right? And but last year I was flush with acorns. Like all of like the my favorite spots or my best spots had acorns like adjacent, you know, to being to where like there was plenty of food that was around. Now this year, I mean, I've spent most of October trying to find acorns. Like it was pretty much what my hunting has been. And mm-hmm. there's just not a lot. And so I'm seeing a lot less scrape activity in those areas are still, it's still getting used, you know, it's still, you know, they're still coming to it, still hitting the looking branch, but just not at the same intensity. Do you see something similar on years where maybe you've got like a bad acorn year or maybe it was a bad crop year or whatever the case is? Does that impact the pattern uh, around those scrapes as well? Yeah, I think certainly. Um, I would say just to twist it here a little bit here where there's been corn on an edge of a field, that typically has better edge scrapes than a year of beans. That's just from what I've seen year over year. Do you think it has to do with maybe the corn provides additional cover too? Yeah, yeah. I do. Yep. I certainly think that's the case. I mean, I can think of that on multiple farms in multiple years uh, where that's really apparent. I mean, I just, uh, I put a cell camera up yesterday and I was like, man, last year there was three awesome scrapes here. They're hammering it. And, uh, it was corn last year and then it was beans this year. I went over there. They just picked the beans. So I went over there with all that commotion, put it up. I was like, there's no scrapes here. There's nothing like this is same pinch point, same everything, like same transition. And uh, to me, that was really interesting. So Hmm. that's one thing I would say some of my favorite, I guess, late October hunts in terms of relation to scrapes is on a really good green food source too. So like for here, if it's an alfalfa field or cold field uh, where once again, it's related to food yet, but that's still a really great food source, especially if we get a little bit warm weather. So, I mean, yeah, I, I totally agree that in relation to food is really important because that's where the deer are going to be and that's where they're laying down scent and maybe there's more competition for that doe. I mean, so I think, you know, where deer get constricted, sign gets more exciting. Think of right. Kansas, right? There's only so many spots. Oh my gosh. The hair on the back of your neck as you're walking through there and then go walk the big woods where it's like, are there deer out here? Well, it, it's it's <laughs> hilarious that you say that because like that's literally the juxtaposition that I live. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like I go to Kansas, and I'm like, I don't know where to set up. There's side over here, there's side over here, there's hammer scrape there, you know. Yeah. And and then I go to the big woods piece that I hunt up uh, up north. And it's like I could walk five miles and not see a, a stitch of sign. You know what I mean? Yep. And it's like and and it and a lot of it's because of the sparsity, like the um how spread out food is there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't, I mean, there's food everywhere, but like how spread out the concentration of concentrations of food are. They're so far apart from one another that like 
the places in between, you would think there never had been a deer in like the existence of earth ever walked <laughs> right. through that spot. You know what I mean? And you might mm-hmm. not be far from the truth either. You know, it's like, so <laughs> some days it feels that way. Um, but speaking of Kansas, I mean, you're right. It's like, there's only, so, but so many places like that place I hunted last year, it's actually the same place I'm going back to this year. Um, mm-hmm. It was just tore up, you know, and I actually, I wanted to ask you that next is, so I know you like that later part of, of November for, uh, for scrapes, right. And of course, scrape week, what about the first week of November? Cause like, yeah, that November 3rd has been really good for me in the past. Well, yeah, you mentioned, you mentioned the third, but yeah. like outside of that, like that week in general, is that, cause I almost feel like that's one of those weeks where like the scrape, I don't want to say scrape activity is done, but it's like the fever pitch of it is kind the of over. Party's like, coming to a close. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've been burned a few times that week trying to hunt scrapes, you know, that I thought were active and it, it was just like, I was maybe like a day late or whatever. And it meant, which meant that that scrape might not get hit again until next year <laughs> at that point. Do you kind of feel the same way about that, about the first week other than that, like the third, or if you have a little bit of annual. Data? Yeah. Like that first, second, third for sure. And, and maybe, maybe the fourth, but then at that point it's like time, time to get out your rut playbook and go find a funnel. I mean, that's kind right. of what my thought is. Um, but I mean, there's rules to the exception, you know, everywhere, but I would say that's, that's probably a good thing to keep in mind. And, and there's exceptions to the rule, no matter what you're talking about. But I think that's, I think you're onto something there. I would right. agree with that. Right. So did you, uh, I know you killed last year, but did you kill during scrape week last year? I don't remember. No, it was November 10th. Oh, nope. it was, oh it was that, it was, was that one of the magic dates you mentioned? Yeah. Another day. Yeah. yeah. I've killed the majority of my bucks on November 3rd and November 10th. Um, Are you yeah, serious? I mean, Those two dates specifically? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know why. Yeah. I can think of, um, uh, last year was November 10th year before I had to go back, but there's more so like those two days. I just on those two days. Just kidding. But, um, <laughs> Jake doesn't ever go out except for those two dates. That's it. I'm about optimized. I'm going to, I'm going to start calling myself the Andy May of November. So right. it's not, I'm kidding. <laughs> the Andy, that um, is, that is going to totally be the title of this podcast. The Andy no, May of November. I'm just pe- kidding. Pe- people will be drastically disappointed. <laughs> Um, no, I think, um, uh, well, oh, how, yeah, it was November 10th. It was a situation. Um, I'm trying to think like November 3rd, there was a lot of bucks in general that were, were cruising around. I don't remember. I can't remember where I hunted that day, but I know November 7th is obviously like one of the most, we talked to a ton of people and like, that's Bill Winky's favorite day. That's Don Higgins favorite day. And, uh, that morning I had a really, really big eight pointer, like 70 yards away. And just, you know, couldn't close the distance with the compound bow. And then that evening I was like, oh, I was a little butter. Like, but what do you can, what can you do? Just keep hunting this November. And then right. I went and hunted in the evening. And then it was like a 150, like 70 or more like 60 yards away in the evening. I'm like, man, son of a gun. But um, so it's like a lot of those dates in general. Um, I'm trying to think what late October last year was kind of, I don't remember anything really too exciting about it, to be completely honest. I mean, there was obviously mm-hmm. big gear hitting scrapes, but I don't honestly remember having an uh, outstanding encounter. To be transparent. Right. So how did that hunt last year go down then on the 10th? Like how did you, what, yeah. What the, how did that play um, out? So this deer showed up, um, the first week in November. And so this is the first time I've ever hunted. I mean, I just bought, bought the place in September. And then, um, on November 9th, he was just dog and does out in the food plot, like, you know, putting on a show. And then the 10th, it was an east wind, so east end on November tenth. That's I've killed a, another a seven and a half year old. I killed was on November tenth with an east wind, and I was like, oh, November tenth, the east wind this is it. And so I had to set up uh, another stand, set up kind of back further in the bedding, and got in there, and then I just heard him grunting along, and 
sure enough, like hooked around just how I thought he would boom, shot him November 10th. And so that was, uh, that was a, a really fun hunt. I wish, you know, I had a bunch of history with that deer, but it's like, it was a uh, really, it was a really special uh, hunt. I mean, I was shot it off my home farm. You know, it's mm-hmm. like something I think everyone can dream of. Walked off, got ready on my front porch and walked off the front porch to go kill a buck. Like that's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty awesome to me. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's how I went down last year. I think, um, we'll see what, see how things shake out here, but I wish, uh, wish I knew where I like the 26. I wish there was that scrape in the, I mean, I was out looking this weekend and be like, where's, where's the scrape? That where's it at? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, we'll see though. I, I, I think it should be a really fun season. Yeah. We'll, we'll, only time will tell. Right. It what will a, not be a lack of effort. Right. What a, so east wind, I always hear people talk about that east wind kind of like whenever you get that wind change from whatever it was previously to an east is always like a, a baller day. Is that also something you kind of have, have heard guys talk about? Yeah, we've heard people talk about it. I mean, typically an east wind is coming in with some sort of heavy front. So uh, a big weather change is obviously one thing. The other interesting thought is I have some stands set up for east winds and typically how often do we get east winds during the so season not very thinking, like you, not you, very yeah not very often so it's a super fresh spot you have a you'll that it's just like it's a super fresh spot that you don't hunt often because it's set up for an east wind and then obviously it's in coordination with a good weather front too so those are two great things going for you and then throw it in it's like uh november 10th it's you know the magical time to be chasing whitetails like you put those three things together should have an opportunity. Hypothetically, you if put those three things together. I'm coining this. It's like you put those two <laughs> things together. You got a hofer. Yeah, there you go. That's it, man. You, you're uh, get your buck tag ready. Right. Um, <laughs> That's literally what we're going to call that now. When you get an east wind, it's, it's, yeah. it's a hofer. <laughs> Darn right. I uh, we have there was um actually I hunted well, one of my first morning hunts this year was on an east wind. I was like, oh man, here we go. Um, saw six bucks, but not the one I was after that morning, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's something that I totally agree with all of the folks that we've talked with. Like uh, East wind could be an awesome, awesome time to hunt and, and have that. When I hung that stand, I was texting one of my buddies and he's like, you're hanging that for an East wind. I was like, darn right. <laughs> and then it's like, cause when it's there, you're ready. And right. uh, it's a spot that hasn't been hunted. Uh, that's true, man. Cause I mean, a lot of times, you know, I spend so much time, we get a lot of South Southwest, you know, around here. I think a lot of people probably do. Um, <clears throat> and so a lot of my setups are for that. I don't spend yeah. a lot of time finding East wind setups, you know, I, I challenge mean? you like, to do so. Well, challenge accepted. I mean, it's a done <laughs> yeah. deal now. It's like, I'm actually just thinking about the deer that I popped up on screen before we, uh, mm-hmm. before we jumped on here to record, I'm thinking about like, man, where can I set up for him on an East wind? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, cause that would be, that might be the spot, you know, to mm-hmm. your point. I think, I think the thing to the one thing you said to me that really kind of stood out was the fact that, since we, yes, the front is nice. Like that obviously helps you have a drastic weather change of some sort. Right. But the fact that you don't have a, get a lot of East winds, which means you don't hunt those particular areas next to mm-hmm. ever during the course of the mm-hmm. season, you might get two or three opportunities during the course of a season to hunt an East wind. If you are free that day, like if you're not working yeah. or whatever, if it's not during your vacation or whatever the case is to me, that was like the thing that caught my attention where I was like, Oh man, you're right. Most everyone's out of there. Like, so if you're, yeah. if you're a public land guy and you're looking for no spots, one else is setting up for an East wind either, find a spot. You can only hunt on an East wind. Like how often, like, is someone going to be in there? You know, mm-hmm. you could be like the guy that I saw kind of walking toward me while I was doesn't care night. apparently, or, uh, he was still hunting on the ground with the wind to his back. 
Love so, it. Yes. Yeah, so, I was like the great equalizer for the year. <laughs> he's just trying to give him a chance, man. <laughs> yeah, he's too deadly. Right. Man, well, speaking of uh, too deadly, I'm going to let you get going. That was a bad segue. Um, <laughs> I'm going to let you get going so you can get primed up for scrape week. I have a feeling Jake Kofer is going to kill a buck on the 26th. I'm going to so. I'm, I'm say it right here. I'm calling it. I hung, I hung a stand for it. It's a matter of, uh, it's not on a scrape too. It's not on a scrape, but it's uh, um, downwind of a betting area. Uh, what I'm anticipating, hopefully a Northwest wind, which would line up for the 26th. And uh, I have another scrape that I have a camera on that, there's a two bucks in there that I'd happily shoot and uh, they've been in the morning. So I'm going to try to get in there a clean morning access on the 26th and uh, I'll report back. There you go. Awesome. Well, Hey, before I let you get going, brother, let folks know where they can find out all the stuff that's going on with Exodus, your podcast and anything you got going on with land stuff that, that as well. Yeah. Um, so you can uh, Exodus outdoor gear.com, uh, our YouTube channel, um, Exodus outdoor gear. We have pod the Exodus podcast on Tuesdays. Um, I host a show called the land podcast, which, ha- which has new episodes every single Monday. And if you, uh, you can find me on Instagram, it's at Jake Hofer. Awesome, brother. Well, I appreciate you coming on dude. And, uh, we got to make this an annual thing. Now this, this has to happen like a scrape conversation sometime during October every year. Sound good. I'm game. I'm game. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Quint. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. If you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And while you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a sub there as well. I'd be super appreciative if you do those couple things for me. And before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Spartan Forge, Exodus, and Skull Brew Coffee Company. And until next time, we'll see y'all. All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do hard shit hat for those of us who like to embrace microdosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.